Hey everybody and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where Joe Favrito and I talk about the business of sports on a week-to-week basis. Welcome, you, Joe. You are? Tom Richardson. I'm Tom you Richardson. Are. Sorry, I so, guess I should say that. We're an automated um, voice. So. Yeah, and we're in our new high-tech studio. So, so we have to say this, Tom. It took us, this is like 130-something episodes. Three years in. Three years in. Doing these in the backs of cars, on the sidewalk, in various classrooms, in out of offices that are now out of business at one point, uh, and we found a studio thanks to Tom Cerny in Teachers College at Columbia that welcomed us with open arms. Yes. So here we are in the Cusp Studios in the uh, kind of nether world of Teachers College, the Harry Potter-like building on 120th. Street. Looking at reel-to-reel tape machines and switchers yeah. that look like the Enigma machine. It is like going on set of an old, uh, yep. an old Hollywood thing. But anyway, uh, here we're we in a new spot, and we're hoping this audio sounds good. Um, and we're going to talk some technology today, something we haven't done in, in a while. And we're really pleased to have a special guest from overseas. We'll introduce him in a second. But um, look, one of the big themes in our in our program, in our many conversations, is the disruptive technology that has come into this business of sports uh, and made dramatic impacts all over the place. Some B2B, some B2C. One of the biggest examples of that is the technology that allows the automation of uh, video capture and video highlight creation and things like that. And we are really happy today to be joined by the co-founder and CEO of one of the leading players in the space. So we have Danny Shipman from WSC Sports based mm-hmm. out of Israel. Welcome, Danny. Thank you very much for having me in this uh, shiny new studio. <laughs> Excited to be here. You, okay. are, you are the baptismal child. Of yeah. the shiny, shiny is not the adjective I might have used, but yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Um, Danny, when I was doing my, I, I've known about you guys for a while, and Joe has as well, but I, I was kind of studying up and I looked at a lot of the things that have been published about you and, and the stuff you publish on your own, so your website and things you do in social. And I have to say that I think your Twitter profile is the best Twitter profile <laughs> for the company that I've seen because it, it, in one sentence it just captures what you do. So the Twitter profile for WSC Sports simply says, we help sports content owners maximize the use of their video assets. Mm-hmm. That's great. So <laughs> that's nice and simple. Everybody gets it. Um, a more sophisticated description found on your website is this. WSC Technologies developed a platform that creates personalized sports videos automatically and in real time, helping sports leagues and broadcasters to engage fans and monetize their content. It's an AI-driven platform which analyzes live sports broadcasts, identifies each and every event that occurs in the game, and creates customized short-form video content which can be published to any digital destination. That almost sounds like it's too good to be true, but we know it's real. You guys have been around for a while. You had big deals in the market, including uh, a really important one with the NBA. So let's hear the story, like the, the backstory on this. And we really would love to, to have you talk a little bit about, as we said before we came on, the, the, kind of the, the interesting story about Israeli technology and sports, not just with you guys, but a bunch of companies and how it really kind of came about, and that's really part of your narrative. So uh, basically the company was founded by four friends, very good friends, we will be friends for 19 years. All of us are geeks, we have a tech background, engineers, uh, and in Israel you have two options, either you go to the army when you're 18, and you serve in the army and then you start your life, or if you're a geek and a good student, you can go to study first, the army pays for a tuition fee, and then you serve in the army for six years, 
uh, and then you go to your lab. So that's what we've done. Uh, we studied engineering and then in the army we've been uh, studying communication engineers and then we came up with the idea that we want to work together because we're friends, we love sports, that's what we've been doing all our life, watching sports, watching basketball. I'm a huge uh, John Stockton fan. Mm. Wow. Uh, yeah, back a ways. Lo- lo- lots of heartbreaks, uh, especially yeah. in two finals, but uh, that's not the time to talk about it. Um, but you got uh, how did you how do you pick John Stockton of all the American basketball players you might have focused on? Uh, I used to play basketball until I was 20. I was yeah. a point guard, not that fast. Uh, I used my brain more than my uh, physical abilities. So I think I resonated with everything he's done. I think uh, according to his uh, physique, he's done an amazing, amazing career, which is unbelievable. So cool. All right, so you guys decide you want to do something. And when you started kicking around some ideas, what led you to this? I, I know the company's evolved a lot since you mm-hmm. started, but this is going back, by, by the way, to 2006, correct? Yeah, 2006, yeah. 2007. So we started as a hobby, basically. We just said WSC stands for World Scouting Center. We said we like sports. We want to talk to coaches, meet players. So let's develop a, a software that helps coaches to analyze themselves and the opponents. So we did that uh, at night for fun. Uh, we sold the software to all of the teams in Israel, to a few big teams in Europe. Uh, it was really fun meeting all the great coaches all around Europe uh, when meeting them. And then we finished our army service. Around that, was, that was in basketball? In correct? basketball. Okay. In basketball. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we finished our army service at 2012, and then we were at the decision point what we want to do uh, as grown-ups. Either uh, go to work at Intel, Cisco, IBM as engineers like our moms want us to do, <laughs> uh, or continue to work together. Uh, we understood that uh, video scouting is a limited market. There's X amount of teams, they'll pay y, y amount of dollars, so it's pretty capped. So we said uh, that we still want to stay in the sports market. So we went and met a lot of organizations in Europe, in the States to learn uh, the market. And then we found out about the media rights market. We saw that media rights are rising, but on the other hand, uh, there are piracy issues back then. The big tech companies are going into the market. So we saw there is a gap. Uh, so that's what we decided to do. And uh, from there, we just started, started thinking about the idea of how to automate the content creation process, how to personalize content, and that's uh, where we are today. Okay, so one of the stories I wrote about you guys had something in the title about how one word changed the trajectory of your company. Remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, so tell that story, because that's, that's, that's a great little anecdote. So uh, as part of our first meeting, we were in exploratory mode and we went to meet other organizations and the NBA were kind enough to, to meet us at the very early stage. So we wanted to meet companies and hear their, their pains. We didn't want to guess it. So, but we had a core technology that we, we knew how to take a video and automatically break it down, but there's so many things we can do with it. And we wanted to, do, to know what's the best use case. So we met someone uh, at the NBA, uh, Bob Carney, uh, and we talked about, about what we can do, and at one point we said, hey, we can all also we, do, we can do this, that, that, and then we can also automate the creation of content. And then he said, can you really do it? And from that point on, we just enter like a fast track to do a pilot on, on the G League, which was back then the D League, and then everything started. Uh, he was our internal champion, helping us to productize and, and build like a good mock-up and, and go from there. And ever since. But the key uh, word was automate. Yeah, automate. So, so that's interesting, Joe, to think about mm-hmm. because this was when social media was really taking off. The, there was an insatiable appetite for highlights or short form video in this business. And as you remember from BAM Tech and other companies, there were just teams of loggers who were cutting highlights yeah, videos. For that sure. was a big part of the sports business. So you actually 
uh, eliminating jobs. Elim oh. yeah. <laughs> um, <that's, laughs> we never say that. Uh, yeah. we, uh, basically, we say that, and I think that that's the right thing. We help, we give superpowers to mm -hmm. content teams. We really allow them to tell the story, and I think we talked about it before. Yep. Uh, even when you automate, a lot of times we want to give the editors the ability to tell a story. Mm -hmm. It makes it much easier for them if you prepare most of the content for them. And then if they don't have the time, they can publish it right away. Mm -hmm. And if they want to really fine tune it and massage it and tell a great story, and if you create 80% of the journey already, and then they can go and fine tune it, it's also very helpful. So it can go either way. Sounds almost auto magical. <laughs> All right, so on the website, Joe, I don't know if you saw this. <laughs> yeah. They've got, they've got serious, <laughs> I gotta give you guys credit. They, they've got two modes of their website. It's one serious mode and one's wacky mode. So you just slide over. That's pretty happy. It was really good. But one of the words they just used to describe their video solutions is auto magical, and they actually put in the Urban Dictionary <laughs> definition right under on the main page. Very cool. So pretty, yeah, I think that's that. We have two personalities. Top personalities. On one way, we're a B two B company that's working with big enterprises, and it's a serious business, and we are very reliable, and we treat it seriously. On the other way, we are a startup. We have fun. We try it out. We play a lot. So uh, two personalities that we need to switch all the time. Nice. So before we talk about the NDA and your, especially your work with the NDA and some of your investors like the former commissioner of the NDA, David Stern, uh, John Kozner, who we've had on, is very interested in the company, obviously. Talk a little bit about the Israeli tech world and how so many companies came out of Israeli army technology or tracking technology. And are still coming. And are it's still coming. Keeps, it just what, seems like an endless supply. What is, and, and I don't think enough people know that story. Yeah. I think that's really a big part of the story. People talk about Silicon Valley and other places, but... In sports, you can't go very far without someone saying, we're working with a company whose basis in technology came from either Israel or the Israeli the Israeli army or the Israeli military. Right, it's true. And I recently saw a chart that you may have seen that showed the five most active entrepreneurial hubs for technology development related to digital. And Israel, or the country of Israel was one of the five. Yep. I think it included San Francisco. New York, Austin, Texas, and I don't know if it was Tel Aviv, I believe it was Tel Aviv? Probably is, that the Tel bigger, Aviv. is that the bigger city? That is. In terms of development? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, so what's going on there? What, what, uh, and those are our friends yeah. at Landmark Capital, I think. Those are the ones. That's right. That was yeah. actually the, where we saw the chart yep. two months ago. Exactly. Right. Yep. Go ahead. So it's uh, hard for me to do such a broad analysis, but I think in Israel there are a few factors. First, the army. It, mm -hmm. it, it, they train so many people to do big technology uh, projects and skills and when you get when you're 18 until you're 21 22 you work on very big projects there's no too many people to supervise you so you have to learn and do it on yourself and mm. build very complex system so when you get out at this young age you can do a lot of things the second I think in Israel uh, as part of the culture we even embrace a failure so a lot of people can start something and even if they fail people clap and say it's great that you tried it and then they go and try again so there are many entrepreneurs that are succeeding in their third or fourth time when they try something, but the VCs don't look at them as like, ah, oh, you failed, I won't invest in you. It's the other way around. You tried, you learned a lot, so we'll go invest. So it's pretty common. And who are some of the other companies that you've kind of been shoulder to shoulder with, not competing with you, but doing other pieces that people may, may, may be interested in? So there are uh, companies that are doing automated uh, filming of games. So there are two big, very well-known Israeli companies, Pixelot and PlaySight. So mm -hmm. you install cameras yep. and automating the entire filming. <coughs> There's in-sounds that are installing uh, microphones around the, the stadium and can automatically know uh, the voice of every pixel basically in the stadium itself. So you can hear what the coach is saying to a specific player or the referee is saying uh, everywhere. Uh, there are a lot of companies that in the content, like Minute Media, that are a mm -hmm. very big publisher, creative yeah. content. 
so there are many great technologies coming from Israel, whether it's hardware or software, they're doing a lot of great things. And the ironic thing is most of them are not consumer, like they're not really a consumer-facing company. It's not like, and people have asked this question I saw when I was at the NHL, also, uh, the NHL game in um, where WSC was in, um, in Vegas during mm -hmm. CES. Yeah. Um, you know, people would go up to you or a company like Thu's and they would say, how do I get that? And you really can't. You're kind of a white label service for the leagues, correct? Mm -hmm. It's not a consumer-facing yeah, product. There's no consumer angle right. to this. So, we, yeah, we're definitely a P2B yeah. uh, company. We work with whomever has the rights, whether mm -hmm. it's leagues, broadcasters, publishers, teams. Mm -hmm. We provide a, a cloud-based uh, software. They have a user interface where they can go customize uh, any rules that they're interested. And once they put that rule or a trigger, for example, whenever an Israeli player gets to eight points, create a highlight of that player, yeah. put graphics, music, and send it to the Israeli broadcaster. Okay. So they set these rules and then the system creates it. So we're enabling the media rights owners. C can you um, break down the technology in layman's terms for all of our listeners and for, for, for us? Yeah, so, of course. So, so start from the beginning. So, so there's going to be an NBA game tonight, mm -hmm. and, and it's going to be using your software, yeah. or the, the team will be using your software. What is happening in terms of the uh, machine learning AI, et cetera, mm -hmm. and, and what kind of feeds, what kind of inputs are going on to allow you to do what you do, and then just describe the process mm -hmm. uh, and how it makes it out to the market. So we inject, the first stage is we're ingesting all of the streams that are coming into our cloud-based system, so it's all hardware, it's just getting the streams as any other viewer right. uh, that is watching the game. And, then and that's just the standard, like if, if it's on ESPN, it'd be the ESPN broadcast. Of the yeah, yeah okay. we're just getting the stream. Either so nothing, so far, ESPN. nothing different? It, no, nothing as any other fan. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're getting the stream, uh, and then there are three things that are happening in parallel. The first one is that the system is doing video analysis. So basically, we're training our engine to understand every sport, what's happening in it. So we're training it very specifically to support a specific sport and the way it's broadcasted. There are uh, more than actually 15 different video modules that we've developed in-house uh, that can start from very easy things like face recognition or uh, reading the numbers and the letters like OCR on the screen to more uh, complicated one, understanding movement of players and specific uh, skeletal movements, etc. So that's video analysis. The second, second thing that is happening is audio analysis. We're separating the crowd from the commentator and then analyzing the wave. So it's mm -hmm. not what being said, but how the audio behaves. So if they speak fast or loud, or the crowd goes crazy in a very right. certain way, and because we have a lot of samples from the past, we have tens of thousands of games, we can compare and know uh, the patterns. And then the third input is, is data, it's commodities, uh, like play-by-play -play statistics that are getting in, that can also help. So everything is going like into the box, let's call it, video, audio, and data. The system analyzes it and then breaks it down to say three things. First, whenever an event has exactly happened. Then uh, the second thing is the perfect start and end point of every play. So for example, you don't want to cut the commentator in the middle of the sentence, and like, oh my God, what a great. And then if you cut <laughs> it, it's a bad experience. Uh, and then third, even rating the play. So how exciting, how great uh, the play was. So we do it in, in, in real time, basically, or near real time. About 30 seconds after something has happened, it's already ready, clipped to be used. And uh, we're doing it on every night on hundreds of streams uh, and having everything broken down. So everything was the second stage. And then the third stage is building compilations. So there is a user interface for our customers, like we mentioned before. So kind of a dashboard, a, like a, like a uh, almost like a uh, CMS. Exactly. Yeah. It's a website. Okay. They have a username right. and password with uh, everything they want to define. We're not part of the process. It's just self-serve. And they can set any type of rule they'd like. 
and then what type of content will be created, what's going to be the length, what's going to be the size, what's going to be the graphics on it, and where it's going to be published to automatically. And then they're starting to start to generate content automatically uh, for every type of offering they have, whether it's social media, website, app, sponsorship, activation, um, every imaginable use case with content. And, and so, Danny, the, the integration of computer learning, mm -hmm. let's talk about that for a second, just again, to make it crystal clear for, for, for the non-technical crowd, mm -hmm. and, including me and Joe. Um, so the, the general idea is that the more input you're getting from those three sources, mm -hmm. the more you're analyzing every aspect of it, and the better, stronger, more efficient it gets. Yeah. It, it becomes auto-magical. Yeah, so, right? so, so that's the general idea of, of machine and computer learning, that more data equals more optimization. So in, in general, that's right. As, as you get more data, you can train the system better. It knows more use cases, and you get a better output. But it's not just uh, any box. You need to train the box to look at very specific things and, and how to do it and how to build the architecture of the neural networks and what to use. Uh, but basically, as the system is getting smarter, as it sees more and more inputs, uh, and then if the system doesn't identify something or has a, it, it means that it has a low confidence level, it's being sent to us, to our, to our quality control team. They set the, the, the right label, and then it gets back to train the system again. So that's how it gets smarter whenever it doesn't identify something it's being sent as an input. So that's how it gets, uh, let's call it smarter every time. Much smarter than us, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I saw uh, at CES, uh, at, the, at the Golden Knights game, uh, WSC had a set up there, and there was a lot about gambling. Mm -hmm. um, and it seemed like that was more of a consumer-facing opportunity, but, uh, and especially looking forward now. How important and where does gambling, the gambling opportunity sit whether it's NHL, NBA, any of your other partners, as a kind of new business opportunity for, for this type of, of computer learning. Yeah, so I think obviously sports betting is, is huge in the other part of the world, Europe, uh, Asia, and now it's starting to become very big in, in the States as well. And I think in first the solution is still a B2B solution. We're looking at, uh, mm -hmm. let's look at the entire funnel. So betting operators, they're like any internet digital platform. The, the, they have the certain KPIs. They want to bring traffic. They yeah. want to convert them. They want to retain them. They have a budget to do it. But the, the difference is that in the end of the day, 70% of sports bets are happening in-game. 80% yeah. are happening on mobile. So there's a very certain specific window. You want to optimize uh, the amount of users that are coming in and let them know that something interesting is happening. Um, so our solution uses the same technology but enables the operators to whenever there is something interesting that has happened in a game that really changes the odds. For example, if the underdog team has scored a goal in hockey, the odds are changing. So the operator can send a push notification to their users with a real-time clip that has just happened with the updated odds. And then the users will see something has happened. They will know something interesting. They saw it, they'll be interested, and the conversion will be higher. So that's good for the operators. And then for the leagues, it's a real opportunity for them to create new types of media right packages mm -hmm. and new offerings because we're seeing now that they're trying to create a lot of new offerings to go to the operators and sell them new stuff. Uh, so the entire uh, funnel is, is benefiting from it. On any given NBA night, when let's say there are seven, eight, mm -hmm. ten games being played, what percentage of the highlights that we consumers may see on Twitter, Facebook, etc. are coming from WSC? So uh, we'll say that in a second, but just a step back. So whenever you see there are six or seven games. Basically, we analyze around 30 screens 
because every game is being broadcasted maybe on the national feed, but then there are two RSN wow. showing the game, and then the game is also in maybe in Portuguese, Chinese, French, etc. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're analyzing uh, thousands of streams only for the NBA, and then th the highlights are being created. Uh, we can't say the exact number, but let's say it's above 50% uh, of NBA highlights that wow. we see hmm. on different digital assets are being uh, generated by right. our platform. Is there any evidence to suggest that the, the way these automated highlights work actually perform better? Yeah, of course. We've right. done the test with the yeah. NBA showing okay. uh, different highlights because it allows more customized content. The speed is very critical right. because it happens as it happens. Right. Things are happening and in the internet, there are a lot of researchers that show that if something is happening within five minutes, after five minutes, the traffic is going really down and piracy is a big thing that you need to win. Hmm. Um, so there are a lot of metrics that have been measured in showing the ROI is much higher. So on the business side, I mentioned uh, John Kozner and David Stern. Uh, talk a little bit about the investors that you have, how you found them, um, and, and how they participate in the business right now with WSC. And also the business model. Yeah. Tell us about how yep. that's working. Yep. So the first question regarding the investors. So uh, we had three rounds of financing. Uh, the seed round in 2013 was mostly by Israeli investors, uh, which was more financial aspect. And then in the A round, we got to meet uh, Dan Gilbert, owner of mm -hmm. the Cavs. We presented. Oh, that uh, was a good story too, by the way. And another one with the plane. Just tell that quick, quickly. <laughs> sure, that'd be great. Uh, I read that. It's a good one. So uh, we were planned to meet Dan. He was already an investor in the company in uh, CES uh, at Vegas at uh, 2015, and we wanted to meet him. We tried to reach out, and we planned the meeting. And then every day it got delayed to the next morning, and the next morning, the next morning. We got to the last evening. And then uh, we got an email saying, I'm sorry, Dan uh, won't be able to meet you because he has other obligations. So maybe next time or you'll do a phone a call or something else. Uh, we are uh, rude Israelis after all. So we emailed <laughs> them and said, listen, we really want to meet even for 15 minutes for a drink. Just catch up. And then we got another email saying uh, tomorrow Dan's uh, plane is leaving to, I, don't, I think, San Jose. I don't even remember now. At 7 a.m. If you want, you can uh, join the, the flight. And then when you get to San Jose, just find a solution. Uh, of what you'll Turn do. Around. Uh, yeah, do, do whatever you want. They didn't offer you the flight back. No, 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 no. Just right. we'll get there and then from that right. point on. Do you on. know the way to San Jose? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was San Jose. So mm. we said, uh, of course, we were, on, we're in, 7 a.m. We were on the It's actually flight. better than saying he's going to Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we were on the plane, had a great chat. It was really fun. We got to San Jose, got to the counter, bought two tickets back to Vegas. Flew back. And it was then, a successful meeting, yeah, right? 10.30 a.m. We were back in, in CS. That's CS, great. So I mean, uh, it shows you the grit that you need um, to kind of do these things. And you had him as a captive audience. It's not like you could go and take a phone call exactly. in the middle of the flight. <laughs> yeah, so. no. And I would say most people I know, uh, even aggressive ones, wouldn't necessarily go that far. So that was, that was really commendable. <laughs> that you yeah, did that. Dan said that from that point on, that's going to be his test for entrepreneurs, whether that's they're willing a, to, do, really to do the next step. <laughs> um, so, so talk a little bit about the investors, what they do, and kind of the, the business model. Uh, so just to finish, yes, yeah, so just to finish order, yeah. Yeah. and then at the sure. B round in 2016, we had uh, Intel Capital leading the round, mm -hmm. and then uh, in the, and they were very active in the sports world. In addition, we have Elysian Park, which is the venture arm of the Dodgers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we have the Will family from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so we have very strategic investors in the company, really helping us uh, to shape the strategy, to get to the right market. Whenever we think we have a new idea, we we consult a lot, so it really helps. In addition to that, uh, as you mentioned, uh, actually, I think it's going to announce here for the first time. So David Stern and John Kozner 
uh, we just have the honor to have them as advisors to the company. Right, right. It was just uh, yeah. uh, about a month and a half ago. Yeah, we had John uh, a little while ago. Yeah. He, he actually rattled off the list, and you guys were the ones. <laughs> okay, so yeah. it's, it's not yeah. the first time for yeah. us now. Right. Uh, so we're very lucky, and I think because we're looking ahead at how new media rights are going to be created, how betting is, is there and other opportunities, we think having these two, that obviously have huge impact and, and, and everything they've mm -hmm. done in the sports market is going to be very helpful for the company uh, looking forward. Okay. Talk and about your business yeah. model. So the business model, we are a SaaS company, mm -hmm. uh, and, and as any SaaS company, we offer our customers it's a yearly fee according to the amount of content that we need to ingest, analyze, and create. Okay. So, so it's, so it's variable based on volume of actual it's more work the, being done, essentially. It's more the volume that we need to analyze, but we let them create how much content they want right. to do. We don't want to limit them in creating content because if their strategy, they want to do it, we want them to be happy and create content. Our cost is mostly on the ingestion and analysis right. side of things. But theoretically, a sport like bat pro basketball with 82 games would be spending more money than, let's say, a sport like pro football. Yes. With only 16. Okay. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and then in the, in that SaaS model, I assume like most SaaS businesses, that can be variable not just on the volume but also on special customization yeah. and special options. So different you different destinations they want to publish the content to, if they have different sponsor sponsorship activations yeah. or more cost, uh, packages of upsell, whether it's special graphics, special editing, etc. So it's being uh, added like that. And then in 2018, we had uh, great numbers. 0% uh, churn, so no, no uh, customer left us, big growth, so we're very That's happy. That's amazing. John, I'm sitting here listening to Danny, I'm thinking like, why wouldn't all professional sports leagues well, and college? And one, one of the questions why would, why would none of them, why would anybody not want to do this? Look, MLB does their, tries to do their own, I think that's part of it. And there are some leagues, as you know, Tom, you and I know, that sometimes when they look at things, they'll say, you know, we can do this on our own, but I think that there's probably a more cost-efficient model. And, and the other, the other client, which I would imagine is really good, are the broadcasters and, mm -hmm. and you know, whoever the other consumer-facing companies are in addition to, to the leagues. I mean, I would imagine, especially now as broadcasters are competing and trying to figure out every dollar they can possibly make, you know, this is something that becomes a really interesting thing, and especially when you factor in betting, correct? I mean, I would think so. Yeah, I think you, you said it exactly. So it's a, it can and be leagues, federations, and we just And we just keep thinking about things in the United States. I mean, this is something that you guys birthed in right. Israel. So talk about more yeah. of your clients. So yeah. we talked a lot about the NBA. Whatever ones you would like to talk yeah. about. Yeah, so um, we, have, we have yeah. more than 70 customers we work with wow. worldwide. Uh, in the States, the main ones, that, so it's the NBA, the MLS, the PGA, Bleacher Report, Turner, uh, US Open Tennis, so that's in the States. Uh, stadium, uh, and then in Europe we have uh, FIBA, we have the Bundesliga, which is the German, mm -hmm. the Euroleague, and if we go all the way to the other side of the world, so even in Australia, we have Cricket Australia, we have uh, the Australian Basketball League, so we have uh, very good customers that are actually very innovative, and we're working with them to, to productize the next phase and the, the great features that they need, and then once we roll out a feature, we then offer it to, to all others, so it's working together with them and thinking about always what's going to happen in six months, 12 months time, and building it together with them uh, as partners. And ironically, especially in the States, uh, you know, as, as most people see, the, the major leagues here are not usually the biggest disruptors for something like this. They will go and see where something works elsewhere, and that's why the G League, I would imagine, was probably pretty beneficial so that the NBA could test, test it out before they brought it to the mothership. Yeah, I think and that's NBA what started with you, correct? The G League, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think the NBA does it, that's their test, but for many technologies. Have they done it with the WNBA? 
Yeah, they're doing yeah, it definitely okay. as well. Summer league, every property they have basically. Danny, yeah, are there certain sports that are more conducive to this than others? Yeah, some of them are harder. Uh, yeah. Ice hockey is harder. Soccer is harder. We right. we support both, but they're more like flowing games and yeah. less structured. Right. So it's harder to to tell a story or tell what is a specific play, rather than football, which is very structured. Tennis, very structured. Right. Cricket, uh, but. But that's the fun part of the engineering side of it, trying to find the solutions. Um, we don't have much time left, but I wanted to touch on something that we talked a little bit about before we, we started doing this. Um, AP is now doing automated stories, which, better or for worse, will take may take some jobs away, but you know you can go back and forth on that. When you look forward to the, the consumer experience and the fan experience going forward, what are the things that you're looking at and you know, versus you know the, the human nuance of things, and you said you, you know you give the humans the opportunity to, to do better jobs. Um, what are some of the things that you're looking at going forward, other than gambling, for your business? I think that in the future, everyone will look for only a personalized experience, not only in sports. Like yep. Facebook is pushing. By the way, we didn't talk about gaming either. That was yeah, another that's yeah. right. So, yeah. so I think that's the experience that everyone is looking for, and I think in the future, that's the experience that every broadcaster or content creator will have to do if they want to get attention of people because as we all know people are really impatient today mm -hmm. uh, i do think that the things that are that will become commodity will be for sure automated uh, but then it will enable the creators to be very creative and focus more on quality content again not only sports in everything to create something very high quality and then maybe the model that will people will pay for something high quality and you see it in many places that now publishers are starting to, if they do something in high quality, they can take What would be an example outside of sports for something like that? I assume that at the end of the day, it's going to be news and music shows and concerts Makes and, and everything yeah. that's, which is in live entertainment that people are mm. willing to pay so for. So you're suggesting a freemium version of this, um, meaning a, a lot of it's for free, but there's a, there's a segment that would be paying a subscription charge for special access. I think that in the future, like that. I think that in the future, transactional uh, VOD, let's call it, is going to be the dominant right. in the entire market, mm. uh, and then who will win? That's going to be a, an interesting. We don't want to talk about unbundling, by the way, right now. No, <laughs> no. But, so, anyway. Danny, where, where can this go? We know we talk about Moore's law in our class, and mm. we know just how fast the tech sector is moving, mm -hmm. and these solutions are just kind of outpacing the actual ability of many of these business sectors to adopt them and deal with the business and, and legal implications. So if you think about five, seven, ten years out, like where could you go with this? Wow. I, I don't even know if two years ago people knew that, that right now Amazon is, gonna be, Amazon is gonna be such a big player and betting is gonna be such right. a big thing. That's what I mean, yeah. So who knows, like in seven, ten years, you're gonna walk in an autonomous car, you'll have 14 minutes to get somewhere and then in, in the screen you're gonna get a personalized video, which is exactly 14 minutes according to what they know about you that you want to see that it's automatically <laughs> going to be created so uh, it sounds science fiction but I, I do think that actually it is going to happen in right. some way even though WC is just the world right. uh, is going to behave like that uh, and, and people like it in the end of the day we say that we don't want the big networks to know about us but if we get good content we usually don't ask questions we just enjoy yeah well that's a, that's a good question <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not, yeah, it'll be interesting how that plays out but in, in terms of in terms of the actual core technology that you have underlying WSC, mm -hmm. how much better can it get? I mean, on a scale to, of one to ten, with where it is now, where it could be in five years, much much better. Like okay. we see that we see the things that we could have done a year ago compared to the things we can do today. 
even tracking, identifying events, fine-tuned events, and everything is becoming much, much smarter. Uh, and we see all the implications or examples of AI, how they can uh, simulate other people speaking now and a lot of things that uh, are crazy. So I think that every year is, is like 10 years from what we've known in the past. Should we worry about the misuse of this technology, which is starting to affect, has started to affect the news business uh, and even some of the celebrity business where there are fraudulent video clips of celebrities that where heads are you know inter uh, interposed with body you know you know, you know what I'm talking yeah about. of course I know. Some weird stuff out there yeah it's, it is weird and, and yeah. crazy the quality is amazing right. the quality and the quality seems to be getting better and all that yeah, too yeah. Uh, in sports I don't know how relevant it is because you won't replace LeBron with right. my head uh, because you do know how LeBron right. looks maybe John Stockton but John Stockton might have a great dunk from like LeBron and then no one will notice right. him but it's going to be interesting we'll I change assume. all of his old highlights <laughs> out of your head. <laughs> how do you uh, how do you consume sports yourself on a, on a device? I, how do you do it? I consume sports uh, from our system. <laughs> usually, I get a, a highlights created. Usually, highlights. Yeah, you must I, have some really good highlights packages on that phone. Yeah, we have a lot of. Uh, but is it, it, do you do, do you consume on a big screen? Is it on a, a laptop? Is it on a phone? Mobile phone. Everything is. Everything on mobile on the go. Uh, how old are you? I'm 36. So you're the outlet. Well, I, and you're right on the cusp of, I think, when, yeah. when people are yeah. used to that. But so also, yeah. what, what's the, um, uh, th this doesn't necessarily relate to WSC um, directly, but what, what's the whole connected TV scene like in Israel? Is that is yeah. that attracting a lot of investment dollars? Because in the U.S., it's growing quite rapidly with all the cord cutting. And I assume yeah. there's similar trends with young millennials and Gen Z in Israel. Yeah, so it's, it's happening. People are cord cutting. They're not much offering like here uh, in the States. So there, is, there are a few, but I think they're not catching up. So Israel is, uh, so people are just cord cutting. And then they, we do have Netflix. We do have Amazon Prime. Right. So that's where people are usually going. Yeah. And then if you want to consume sports, you can buy League Pass and Game Pass. But in terms of the well. hardware, people using Roku's or Amazon Fire's or Apple TV's or? They do, but not as much as we yeah. do. Mm. Okay. Mm. Yeah, wow. Um, all right. Any other last questions? questions? I think the last questions are, are, how do you stay up to date? Where are some of the places you go? And then where can people find more out about WSC? So I'm hearing a lot of podcasts, whether it's about uh, how to run a company, Reid Hoffman's one, the Anderson Horowitz one. Hmm. There are a few very good ones in Hebrew. Uh, I keep up uh, with sports with a few podcasts, The Ringer, uh, etc. Uh, and then always reading, always trying to keep up to date with all the newsletters, even yours. That, uh, we've, we, we've been reading each and every, each and every uh, Big link. Big following in Israel, Joe. Uh, no, no, you do have a following <laughs> in Israel. 24 countries, it's amazing, <laughs> yeah. the emails I get on Sunday morning. Yeah. But anyway. um, so, so that's fun. And then always meeting people from the industry and mm -hmm. hearing their story. That's the best way, I think, yeah. to, to hear mm -hmm. what people have, have come through. And if people want to learn more about us, they can reach out. We're very uh, happy to talk to anyone and, and just... Get to By the, the way, how much of your time as the CEO mm -hmm. is spent in kind of sales and pitch mode as opposed to management mode? Uh, actually, not much. We have a good sales team, and one of the founder uh, is the VP of Business Development. So okay. his team is spending most of the time. I'm spending most of my time internally. The company has been growing uh, very, very uh, in a fast pace. We're now 80 people. That's what I was going to uh, ask is where, too. I mean, for people looking for jobs, where, where are some of the places you're hiring in what so, specific areas? So our R&D center is in Israel, where they have uh, 75 people. We now uh, started a U.S. office here in New York. Uh, we're growing it for more account management and business development roles. Uh, and then we also started a Sydney office. Um, mm. So we're starting to grow. That's amazing. Great. Um, do you have any career advice you'd want to throw out? 
Yeah, especially the young people listening. Joining I mean, the German you're, you're, army, you're, it sounds like. Yeah, but, but, but like your perspective is interesting because you, you know, had that interesting military experience. It sounds like you guys were primarily motivated motivated by the desire to work together, mm-hmm. and you might not have been able to do that if you went to corporate jobs. So yeah. you have this you had this entrepreneurial ambition, yeah, and you had to deal with a lot. I mean, this mm-hmm. is 13 years you've been doing this. I think the main thing is just go and talk to people and ask questions mm-hmm. and don't be shy and, and just mm-hmm. try to do it as much as you can. There is like the get out of the building method. Just go and talk and don't think, that you, don't think that you can build something and, and the market will get it. You just need to go and ask questions and talk together and find the right collaborative partners to, to build something and with I, them. And I think getting back to where you started, you know, the acceptance of learning from failure and, and, and having coming from an environment that makes that okay is kind of unusual. It's not that's not really the way it is in a lot of companies, but that's refreshing to hear, and I think it's really important because not having a fear of failure, you know, not to do stupid things, but not having a fear of failure is something that, that you know drives a lot of business. What What have you learned about yourself in the process of becoming a successful entrepreneur? Uh, still not successful. Still hopefully on the way. Oh, you're doing. Pretty well, it seems yeah. like. Yeah, I think that uh, there's no there's no cookbook. Every that's what I've learned. Every yeah. case is by itself, and you can go and learn from other other people and learn what they've done. But at the end of the day, you need to think it yourself right. and and decide uh, what's right. And the second thing is that the most important thing is, is the people, the people that are around you, the people that work right. with you, and they're the first priority in everything you do. Yeah. And then if that's good, and you hire the right people and you treat them the right way, everything else is is will be in place. Customers, revenues, investors, everything will be in place. Right. Wow. That's good. Good perspective. Um, so, where could people check you out? Did you? You didn't answer this. No, the right. website is. Where, where, where can people go to find out more about? If they want to learn about the company. So, wc-sports.com. I'm Daniel at wc-sports.com, okay. and I can. And your Twitter account out. is, which I looked at before, but I can't remember. Is it just uh, wc underscore sports? I think. Right, well, but, uh, not sure about. We can it. use people can use the, like the world search, search bar, <laughs> yeah, like so. the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Well, Danny, thank you so much. Thank you that very was much terrific. for having me. And um, hope you enjoy your, your visit to New York. Um, we've been listening to the founder, co-founder and CEO of WSC Sports, which is providing auto-magical video <laughs> solutions to the sports Boy, you love saying that. So. <laughs> I just love how you did that. I, I, there's so many B2B websites that just are so boring and mundane. You guys, you guys made a good move, I thought, with that. So everybody should check that out, by the way. Uh, but again, thank you for giving us your time, giving mm-hmm. us your insights, telling the story. And coming to the new studio. <laughs> and being the, uh, helping us inaugurate this new studio. Uh, you're welcome back here at any time. And, uh, and by the way, if you ever want to stop by one of the classes, it would be awesome to have you. Yeah. I'll do that for sure. Well, thank you. Great. All right, Joe, that was a good Another conversation. One. We talked about machine learning, but this was people learning. I think yeah, people learning. Nice. Yeah, so uh, sure. uh, it was a really good, good chat. So thanks again. Um, all right, everybody, thank you for listening. We, uh, we hope that you'll check us out next week with the next episode of The Cusp Show. <laughs>